good morning and welcome to AV Daybreak. It is June 3rd and I am here with Jared Hillman. How are you, Jared? I'm doing well. Good morning, Mark. Not, not COVID great? What did I say? I said I was COVID okay. COVID I had okay. Set, yeah, I had to set the baseline. It was, COVID <laughs> okay. it, was a, it was a COVID okay moment, yeah. Well, cool. Well, hey, thanks for joining me again today. You know, I wanted to, I wanted to say first off, you know, we need to, we have to cap, we have to cap today, I think. We have to cap at 30 minutes. I'm setting, a, I'm setting an iPhone timer for 30 minutes this morning, I think, because some of the first feedback got was that we went a little long last time. And I know that some was, podcasts can go long, but it's us. It's not. I know. We have to listen to the focus group. We released it out to the masses, and now we got focus group reports saying too long, too long. Data, big data. Big data. Yeah, we're what part is, of that now. What is it good for? This the first the first AV morning show based completely on AI and big data. I think that's yep. our claim to fame. I'm a big AI fan. Um, I'm I'm a I, I actually use AI. Some people say fake it till you make it, but I call that AI. <laughs> so what part of what part of I do you use? Um. That that question is out of my. I, I can't answer that. That's, you can't answer that. Yeah, no. I have I have like 150 reasons that AI isn't, and most of them show up when they're trying to suggest words for me to type on my iPhone. Oh yeah, yeah. The the autocorrect the autocorrect was always like you know it's amazing what we can do with with artificial intelligence and what you see being done. But when you get into autocorrect, how can we not get that? I you know how how is that not a thing yet? I am I am very concerned about my iPhone because it, many, many times when I'm typing something, it inserts the acronym BBC into my typing, which um, begs the question of what's in my internet search history or if I like just watching British television, one of the two. But uh, I'm, I'm always policing this BBC and having to delete it out of text as they go to people. Um, so yeah, I'm not a huge fan of AI in typing for sure. No, no. So hey, this morning we are um, we're gonna call somebody. How's that? We've got a guy. We got, got a, a guy, guy who knows a guy. It, well, we, we talked to him once before, and he knows a guy, and we'll talk about that later. But um, mm. you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do the speedy internet telephone here. Yep. And we are going to call Dan Barron. Do you know Dan Barron? Daniel Barron. I investigated him yesterday. Okay. Um, and, and I would say, I think we quickly became best friends uh, in, a, in a previous conversation. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. So here we go. We'll, I think, I think I hear a phone ringing. We'll see if Dan picks <laughs> up. Hey, what's up guys? Hey man. Good nice. morning, Dan. Thanks morning. for, uh, thanks for joining us this morning. We, okay. um, we are doing this new show and, you know, there are a lot of podcasts where we come in and we ask people to give their own narrative about who they are. And we think that's boring and, and preemptive. So instead, what Jared and I do, we do a segment called Profiled, where we, um, where we take your LinkedIn profile and we just kind of break on stuff that you did. Um, just, just judge me hard. <laughs> judge you hard. So, you know, for anybody who doesn't know Dan Barron, they need to go to LinkedIn and look up Dan Barron. But I'm going to say, Dan, that when I looked at your LinkedIn profile and I started to try to come up with, you know, some things to talk about, I, I noticed there wasn't a lot on here, number one, which 
to me Thank is you. very. That's that's what I was going to say. I was I was going to say you have a boring LinkedIn profile. How? Yeah, exactly right. So I am <laughs> I'm going to say I don't know if you guys saw this study, but Harvard Harvard Business Review one time wrote this article that said, you know, if you're looking at somebody, you know, professionally, and you go in and you start to look up their profiles and there's nothing there, that odds are they've deleted it because they knew you were researching them. What are you hiding, I, Dan? A lot. I mean, <laughs> tell us what you're hiding, Dan. Yep, I'm just that. I'm just that surface level smile. You know, company post. I've seen. I want you to know. I've seen Jack Ryan. I know how people can make things disappear. And yeah, so I've been practicing. You know. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Dan got wind that we did this segment, and he went in and deleted anything embarrassing on his. It, like he did, Jared. He doesn't even have in his high school. He wasn't even an archbishop like you were. Um, I mean, How are you not certified in time management? I don't understand that either. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think um, I don't think I do have too much. LinkedIn. I I always I sort of obviously from a marketing standpoint, I share I share our main messages, and then if there's an interesting piece of content out there, I'll share it, like a Joe Rogan podcast or a Jocko podcast or some episode or something interesting here and there. But yeah, I mean, I'm open for tips. No, there's, there's no tips. What I'm, I, I mean, the interesting thing is you and Jared Hillman, I, I'm already sensing this, this kind of like cosmic connection. But the, the one thing that I noticed is that um, you've been in AV for 10 years, um, but all at one company. So you're at, you're, cause you're at HB. Yep. Yep. See, that is very rare. That is yep. very rare. How does, how does that happen? How do you stay uh, one place for 10 years? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, my grandfather started the company in 1946. Um, you know, my dad was a CEO when I was in high school, I was, uh, just being a high school kid, you know, getting in trouble, doing things. So in the summertime, I'd come and work in the back. I mean, I feel like my earliest memory was actually sealing envelopes like super far back. I don't even remember how old I was. I was just like in the office for the day with my dad super long ago. I remember sealing office, uh, you know, sealing envelopes. And then the first time I think I really did like, a, you know, had a job there, it was in high school. Um, I was working in rack fab in the summertime. And just basically, I was like, you know, the guy working for the Rat Fab guys, like they needed a bunch of RGB cables. And I'm like, oh no, you know, stripping these things, stripping cables, soldering, you know, working through cables all summer long, drinking energy drinks in the back and doing that, um, <laughs> waiting for the coffee truck to show up. So that was like the, the first early on, you know, job I had. And then after school, um, I, you know, my, my focus kind of really evolved. I've always loved marketing. I love psychology. I love design. I love the idea of just like, you know, even when I'm out shopping, I'm always kind of looking at my own reactions to things and why I react to them. Um, and so as I was eyeing up the industry, you know, after school, knowing I would, you know, jump in and start helping out with the marketing side, I was kind of just trying to imagine what I could bring to the table as far as, uh, you know, message and, and, and how you can communicate the industry and you know, how brand strategy could start to, you know, change things and, and try to bring a different angle to things. And so anyway, after school, I came in, um, started off in marketing and stayed in marketing for the last 10 years and um, have just kind of slowly built and evolved the brand uh, of HP. So that's kind of where I started. So I see why you and Mark get along now. I can, it's like a, 
it's like a, a clone mark because you're you're very big on the psychology of of emotion and impact that we have on 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 people and that systems have on people and that user experience has on people and it sounds like dan dan very much pays attention to that as well yeah yeah it's interesting because um because for me like i'm not i'm not a I, I guess I didn't approach it from such an intellectual angle as Dan did and, and have those interests early on. I thought I was going to be, you know, studying monkeys in a jungle somewhere <laughs> and, uh, and loved animal behavior. And so most of the, you know, most of the original th thoughts I had were just kind of based on basic human reaction and biology and the way our bodies react to stimuli and all those things just on a very visceral level. And uh, that's really what led me more into the psychology part of it. Sounds like sounds like Daniel was always a, a big thinker as opposed to uh, you know someone who was just watching dumb monkeys chase each other around on a plane. I was just into brands. I just always liked brands. I mean, I remember back in the day, like airsoft, paintball, um, designing cars, uh, dirt biking, whatever it was. Like that process of like I was always customizing something since I was young. No matter how dumb it was, I'm like, all right, cool, we got this bike. I'm customizing. I'm spraying it. I'm doing something right. And that whole process of like shopping through parts or buying products of any kind and recognizing like man these guys sold me like it might not be the best part but i'm buying it because it looks great and uh, you know the aesthetics there and uh it's solid and i'm in so yeah i think that whole process just you know through being the customer and just paying attention to myself and why i like things it it just kind of made it an easy transition you know? do you have do you have like a a brand that you like as your job, do you not, do you, do you model after a brand that you really like? Is there a brand out there that you would say, you know what, these guys, they just seem to hit all the check boxes. Yeah. I would say, um, it, it, I pull from different industries depending on what sure. I do. So you can, I mean, I, everyone always needs to give credit pretty much mostly to Apple on the whole like simplicity mm. game. That's fine. That's easy. There's other remember the company on who makes supplements um, workout supplements joe rogan is a sponsor of on it um, or i think a founder of on it um, but i remember when they first launched their website like their digital web experience was just it was really nice it was it was badass um and just the way that they built the products and used graphics and you know story told on their website was was awesome um and then you know i just pulled from different industries it could be a backpack that i see somewhere and i'm like yeah. you know what they just slayed the backpack game. Their brand is on point. Everything's tight. So um, I, it depends on what I'm working on. Um, I've worked on a lot of projects in a, in a good amount of industries, even though I've been in AV like the whole time. But it's also my hobby to help people build brands on the side. So, right. um, you know, it's always just kind of been a thing. I like to I like to draw up everything out there. So I had a question for you. I think we, we met more through, um, you know, you were driving some initiatives um, almost to help some of your own clients um, from an AV perspective, but right. not with, not with hardware, but more with content and storytelling and experiential yeah. things like that. Yeah. Um, how's that been going? Is that a, has that been a, a new kind of lifeline for your business in a way? It's, when it's good. Um, you know, we've, I guess I'd, I'd share two things. I'll try to make them as quick as possible. The first thing that I worked on that was more of the most, you know, significant project. Like when I first started HB, we were just trying to rebrand the company and switch things from 
what looked like a big product catalog of a bunch of complicated words that the average person wouldn't be able to go to a site and say, oh, wow, I can see how this could transform my business. But an IT person would say, here's my dream catalog, right? So I was first just trying to evolve from a product story to more of like a vision and what's possible story. And then after we built the first phase of the brand, um, you know, I was kind of always in the mind that I was more interested in helping companies actually come up with strategy for technology. And, you know, a lot of times if IT owns, you know, technology, what happens is at the end of the day, they usually have some marching orders, which is like, all right, you need to go get digital signage, you know, go build conference rooms, get the best deal, make sure it's scalable, standardize it. Those are good marching orders. But I was also more of the perspective of just thinking as a CEO and looking at myself, I'm not a CEO, but I'm saying if I was a CEO, I was always imagining how cool our industry is and how if I looked at it, I'd have a million ideas of what I'd want to do with my office, but that's an executive vision conversation. It's not an IT delivery discussion. So um, I don't know how many years ago it was. I think it was 2016. Um, basically, the vision was we needed to upgrade our headquarters anyway, aesthetically. Um, but I didn't want it to just be, hey, we're going to make the place look cool, you know, copy Google and check a box. I wanted to design the place in a way that was aesthetically pleasing, but I wanted to actually kind of unveil almost a, like a beta version of, hey, if you were to look at this holistically, first you're doing a communication analysis, who's communicating with who, right? We're sending messages between what departments and why and where should those messages be delivered and what experiences do you want to create in particular areas and once you know why and what then you're like okay well we need signage then we'll pick our platform and our, our displays and we'll, we'll implement that um collaboration let's knock off all the problems that we know people have the rooms need to be easy to use every time you walk in we need to be able to standardize them they need to connect with the mobile platform so remote people can call in easily and that workflow is done let's check that box and then the other box was just from an experience standpoint you know, whether it's the waterfalls in the lobby or the beautiful aesthetics and bringing nature in through video walls and creating an ambiance, I just wanted to kind of make sure that strategically we had a vision so that once we chose, okay, these are the technologies we're going to use, then it would all have a purpose. So when we did that project, um, you know, reached out and got like ridiculously great support from a, a ton of partners, Samsung, Crestron, Shore, um, LG, uh, you know, I could go down a list of, of a ton. I feel bad not, you know, mentioning all of them, but we have a website that mentions all of them. But we got support from everyone and basically helped take this vision and concept that we worked with the architect to, to build and it became a reality. We built, you know, a virtual online experience where people can come on, explore our headquarters, look at each environment, understand the purpose of that environment and the technology we put in it so that when I go to customers, I can actually help inspire them to what's possible from an organizational design perspective versus we're a great AV vendor and we can do better than them, you know, that whole deal. So um, that was the first big project that, you know, I care about most. And since we did a lot of creative services and content development for our own space, it was sort of like a pilot so that we could then tell the story and of course sell those services and, and help other people do transformation. And then uh, a few years after we launched that, um, we got a, a good contract with a, a big company at Hudson Yards in New York to basically help take what was a planar video wall that was like 30 feet tall by six feet wide and build custom content for it that had to be shot in 8K. 
So that was the first really fun project where basically took my creative team that I've been working with on everything from music videos to whatever since high school. And um, we flew to San Francisco, drove down to Big Sur, drove to Yosemite, spent four days in New York City, ended up in San Francisco, shot more up there. And we did like a, I think it was like a week and a half, two weeks of production to build all this custom content of this really tight aspect ratio, beautiful content that fit it. So um, that was an awesome project and it hasn't become a full business lifeline because you know you still have to evolve your sales organization to be able to sell that stuff and get the right type of contacts who will have the budget for that, which as you probably know, is not usually IT. You know I mean? <laughs> IT yeah. doesn't have a waterfall hallway budget. It's, it's yeah. really the architects, marketing, high level, high level executives that are developing vision. So um, it's still a work in progress to, to try and target that space better, but been mostly focused on just building the model to a level where we can actually market that better and, and you can get out and start helping people with it. So that's sort of like the little overview. Well, I know, I know I'm going to the website now because I now I have to do the virtual tour. I was going to say, I'm going to go to Connecticut, but then you said it's virtual. So I, I don't have to jump on a plane yeah. In, yeah. and, and only be COVID okay for seven hours across the country. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. really cool, man. I mean, one, one thing you said, Jared, I don't know what you heard. I, I heard a lot of stuff. I was a lot to unpack. I think our time's done. No, we still have a few minutes, but no, it's, it's awesome. And there, that's actually the reason I, I wanted to call you and invite you on the show because, you know, um, apparently Jared, most AV companies focus too much on product in their story. That is, that's, that's what I picked up on too was, you know, what's funny is, is when, when you're, when you're, one of the biggest challenges when you're, when you're running a business, right, is trying to carry your vision and your mission all the way down so that that strategic level of decision-making, it's, it's irrelevant because they're just following the mission and vision. And that same process you talked about, Dan, was that IT, you know, they get so, not, I'm not picking on IT, but the, but the, 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 the typical traditional decision-makers in the AV purchasing department of a company, sure. they get so caught up in, the mission is to save money or um, the mission is to just have this technology. And, and a lot of times we do miss out on the, well, why are you doing this? Like what kind of experience do you want? Not only your customers to have, but your employees, like Mm -hmm. what kind of company do you want to be to the point where you want your employees to feel and, and emote a certain, a certain way um, when they come to work every day and and you can use technology to do that, Mm -hmm. you know, and that, that gets so lost on people sometimes. So it's, and it is, it's a, I, I like how your, your, your marketing and your content creation side, they, they get it. They get it. Mm-hmm. And I liked how you, how you picked up and said, now make your sales department evolve to understand that as well, because yeah. you go back and they're, and they're selling widgets, man. They're not, yeah. we sell widgets, you know? It's none of their fault. It's not the IT team. No, it's just. It's just like the, the decisions that should be, that need to get made on that bigger picture level aren't in IT. And obviously our AV sales yep. have been doing the best job they can to fulfill, you know, projects and help develop what people need to get done, which is all great. It's just, you know, there's yeah. got to be some evolution and you just got to work towards it. So, Hey, hey Jared, let's, let's role play real quick. Okay. Um, uh, you, on, you, on air? Yeah. 
<laughs> you don't have you don't you don't have to put the costume on. Oh, okay. Time. Okay, good. Um, <laughs> if so, I'm I'm going to be um, AV salesperson calling into Company X. Yes. And you are going to be receptionist at Company X, who is receiving my phone call. Got it. Um, Quick setup. I, I actually prefer admin assistant, but okay, you okay. are admin assistant at Company X. So here we go. Um, ring, 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 ring. Uh, Coxon Entertainment. Uh, yes, I was calling to see if I could speak to the person who takes care of technology at your company. Oh, um, what is it you're trying to, what, who are you trying to talk to? Oh, well, you know, we, what we do is we, um, we provide audio video services for like your conference rooms and things at your business. And I just wanted to talk to who would ever be in charge of like for a Christmas party? Are you for a no, Christmas like, party? No, like when you guys have a meeting, if you have like a video conference or something like that, right. you know, then you have a television in the room and you have a microphone and those things. Who takes care of that in your company? Like who takes care of all that equipment and buying that kind of stuff? I mean, I know Greg in the back fixes computers. Yeah. Like when, yeah. Oh, yeah. He an yeah. Okay. That it sounds like I need to talk to Greg. That'd be great. Well, Can I'll you take, transfer me to him? Well, what I could do is I could take your name and number and then I'll, I'll see who, who would be best to, to suit you there. That, that'd be great. Thank you so much. If you just take my number and I'll wait here by my phone um, after we hang up and, and, and somebody sure. from that department could call me, that'd be awesome. Yes. And, and thank you for calling Cox and Entertainment where we care. Uh, perfect. <laughs> now, there, is, there we go. I, I think I just I think I just isolated the problem. You know, the the first thing we do, what you said, Dan, is something I've been trying to say for a long time. Is as well is that, um, you know, when we're talking about big picture and we're talking about community com communications, um, you know, if we're talking about impact in a business, um, you have to go up the ladder some, right? Yeah. I mean, you have to get to the vision level, yeah. right? Like you you, you have to get to that level of someone that carries the vision. Like, like Dan said, you know, where, where they, they want that, that experience, they, they, you know, and, 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 and hardware purchasers typically are on the level of who's giving me the best price to achieve what I think I'm supposed to achieve here. Yeah, they gotta be. Yeah. They got, they got orders and they got to do it. Some IT people happen to be a little bit more like they have more flexibility latitude. They can. They can do more. They've already built relationship with executives where they have a little more power on the vision side. They might even have more creativity, but it's definitely not the majority, you know, it's just not what the job is. So it's, uh, yeah. And I think as you go up in organization and size of organization, that strategy fails you more and more and more because in a large organization, jobs become very compartmentalized because you have a lot of people and people have very specific roles. Um, and so you have yeah. you have more and more stakeholders as that goes up the ladder and the financial um, responsibility of the person you're talking to, or I guess their, their leeway to spend money becomes smaller and smaller without approvals, right? So you become, you get in this stacked place where you may win over the one person that you've decided to talk to, but they, they have no influence beyond, you know, their small scope, number one, and they have no money beside their small budget. And and then you wonder why, you know, somebody like have Dan, you, like Dan comes in and takes your client from you. Have you, have you guys ever read um, any books by um, Anthony, Anthony Iannoro? Am I going to butcher his last name? No. Anthony, Anthony, he's one of the top probably sales books authors in, in, in the selling process. Like he, he wrote a really good book that started me off on his path of, uh, I think it's called Ether Lunch. And it's about how to competitively displace 
um, competitors, basically, how to, how to displace competitors in, in your industry. Mm-hmm. And one of the things he refers to that I love is like always trying to find, you want C-level, um, but you want the CEO of the problem. Mm-hmm. And sure. so if your company solves experiential problems, mm-hmm. right? And, and when you get into technology that's transforming the way a company operates, well, the problem doesn't exist at the level that we usually get introduced at. The problem exists at that, at that higher level that the, with the vision, the vision carriers where they, they do see the problem as experience amongst employees or a purchasing experience for their customers, right? And so I always, I always like that term, how he used the CEO of the problem. If like you could that. find the CEO of the problem, that's who, that's who has the buy-in, that's who, that's who will have the control and, and, and the wish and the desire to push it forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a good way to say it. I like that perspective for sure. Because that CEO of the problem could be different in different places. Yeah. So just going for only titles is, is also not always the move. So that's cool. Like- I, 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 do have to, I do have to deduct. Um, AV daybreak points from Jared. He is, he's used the word feel, emote, and experience to describe AV. And we, we all know that we are just, we are, we are a very black box centric industry, Jared. You need to, you need to stop. I need to stop that. Yeah. Stop it. No matter how many conferences we've all been to, it's not about products, it's about solutions. Four years later, it's the same story. And yeah. has there been a bunch of change? Not really. A little bit. There's been some change, but yeah. Yeah, I, I like at least the focus on it, honestly, which is great. I like that there's, there is some larger conversation around, um, you know, it's not the stuff we sell, it's what people do with it. Um, do, you, do you think manufacturers are letting us down in that sense? Like, you know, I think manufacturers have a responsibility to deliver specs to us as integrators. We, ha- we do have to know the specs, right? You have to know how many ins and how many outs. Do you think the, the role of how this transforms a business relies on the manufacturer saying, we built this box. Yes, it has 16 in, 16 out, but this is what it can provide your client. Or do you think that's the integrator's role to translate what the manufacturer has built into their application? Where, where do, who, who has the onus on that? I'm jumping in that it's us. I mean, that's, that's really where our value is, Mm. is as integrators. I mean, I think we all, we all here work for integrators. Our, our job is being the translation, right? Like we're, we're office space. We're, we're the guy who's like, I'm, I'm the one who talks to the customers so they don't have to talk (laughs) to the engineers, right? Like that's our job. I really believe it is. I believe the man, I mean, my, my theory, and I know we have great manufacturer partners. We all do. We love their support and all those things. So for anybody who's about to take offense to what I say because they didn't listen to the last 20 minutes of the show and they sound bite this, um, I'm sorry, but, but we, you, you, you know, it. as an industry, I think manufacturers have kind of wagged this industry f- for a long time. You know, the, the power structure is reversed. The manufacturer drives the integrator. The integrator's job is to go sell the manufacturer's product to the customer, as right. opposed to the integrator's job is to figure out what the customer wants and then go find the manufacturer that provides it. Right. Like, right. The second we put 17 logos up on our website as the landing page and our story is we've been in business for 57 years and we've designed systems for XYZ companies. Great. So is everybody else. Um, You know, one one of my favorite marketing guys used to say that like, if your brand, like if you could take the name of your company and pull it off of your website and slap it on the website of your biggest competitor and the website still makes sense you're telling the wrong story. Right. You know, 
everybody's like, we've been in business for X amount of years. Um, we have great products and, at great prices and we pride ourselves on customer service. Like right. nobody right. says we <laughs> suck. We use bad products and we hate and we don't and we treat people okay. service. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I mean, I know, I think I've always looked at it like we, um, we have a bunch of Legos in our tool chest. There's a zillion Legos that can be applied in any way, shape or form, but it is on us to bring that creativity to the table. Maybe what would be nice from the manufacturers if we, you know, I think even in like B2C world, you know, manufacturers drive culture through advertising. So they spend all yeah. these great marketing dollars on building culture through great ads. But we don't, in the integrator side, typically have those kind of budgets to really like influence the masses on B2B vision. So no one influences B2B vision because no one's really got the dollars to do it on the masses. So we all have to kind of try to do it on our own. So that's one thing that would be nice to get more, you know, probably from manufacturers if they were doing more on that B2B influence vision side so that it helped drive awareness. And then it, that, that would help our industry probably, even though it's still on us to do that, you know? Man, I love that. Nobody spends money on influencing B2B visions yeah, and no. culture. I love that. I'm yeah. quoting that. Mark, yeah. don't you, don't Mark, put your pen down. I'm, I'm already I'm gonna, blogging. I'm already I'm blogging already, about this. I just, I just wrote a tweet on it. <laughs> so I, I've, I've claimed it. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And, you, and that's, it, it goes back to what you were saying about Apple. Apple has influenced an entire culture of consumers. Right. Yeah. But, oh. but um, XYZ manufacturer, I don't want, I'm not going to be bold enough to throw one out there. Actually, you know what? Let's, 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 Actually, uh -oh. you know what? I'm, I'm going to throw a warning, warning, danger, danger, Jared Hellman, danger. This show. Yeah. Yeah. Abort, abort. Uh, this, this, what I'll say is yeah. XYZ manufacturer of, of business solutions has not influenced our CEOs of the problem to develop a culture within their organization of wanting that product. Right. And, and I think that's, but, but there are some companies um, and I'm going to give a shout out to sure um who i think actually their branding over the last wow. year i feel like has gotten awesome really solid yeah 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 and i think they're really coming on to that like you said that consumer level of marketing um and it is different it is different and, and i think they're i think they're doing an awesome job at it yep 100 percent. they do a good job yeah we all keep acting like uh consumers are like the fun like interesting stuff, but B2B buyers are basically like cold, heartless money people that will only buy, you know what I mean? Like there's no like respect for the fact that the same people that, that react to B2C marketing are also going to work the next day and would also like to be probably influenced in a good way about B2B, <laughs> you know, there's like a red line drawn between it for some reason. It, yeah. yeah, that's the, for me, that was the biggest bridge when I went from residential to, mm. um, you know, commercial yeah. integration was that you know in a in a residential environment number one the the b2c marketing really plays a role in their impression of what your business does right by normal consumer brands um consumer electronics brands but number two also uh that in residential there's a there's a, a high awareness of the emotional impact um, right. and the emotional investment of the person in the actual purchasing of the system because it's their house, right? Right, like it's it's where they live. It's where they throw parties. It's it's an it's an outward expression of who they are right. as a person. Um, right. Whereas you know, we don't have that you know in a 
in a linear way in a business, but the person, but the person who's on the other end is still a person. Still a person. Yeah. Nope. Except, except you get in a business and it's like, uh, well, at home when I buy a nice living room and it's really obvious why I bought it all of a sudden at work, it's like, well, the ROI needs to be clear. It's like, well, I'm sorry, but it's kind of obvious. No, like if you don't want to build an office that looks like this and feels like this for obvious reasons, then just, you know, don't do it, but also don't not do it because you can't calculate a perfect ROI formula since it's obvious, you know, when things yeah. are obvious, yeah. you don't need ROI. When they're not obvious, you need ROI. Or even if they're obvious, it's still good to have fun. Let's calculate some ROI because we're going to travel less or, you know, save money on poster boards. Calculate that if you want. But a lot of it's obvious, you know, yeah. and ROI stops people a little bit. And that, that is, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day in the business, you still have to, you still have to make money. Like you have, like I said, the number one rule in business is, is to stay right. in business, right? Right, right? But, but I think you are seeing a huge increase in uh, company, um, what, individuality I would I would maybe call it or maybe there's a better term for it, but you are seeing where personalities are coming through companies a hundred times you know yeah. yeah yeah when you talk about that ROI it's it's interesting and I think it's um when it is a very it's it's a business term but it's mm -hmm. a human fear because yeah. you're dealing with the decision maker who's afraid that they're going to be held responsible for spending money that someone else didn't see the value in that's right. where the term ROI comes from. ROI right. is for with someone who doesn't actually understand, you know, has, has some tentative feelings about how they're going to be viewed for spending this money on X. Totally. Yeah. And so, you know, for me being able to try to connect to that in a way, you know, and it's one of the reasons that I said, you know, we need to start talking to people about the impact of spaces. So, you know, if I'm looking at a, a room, like you're talking, uh, Dan, about, you know, when you went through your own building, you did mm -hmm. this audit of what are we trying to communicate here? Who are we talking to in this room versus mm -hmm. in this room or in this hallway or in this mm -hmm. lobby? Who are right. we communicating with in this space? Right. And saying, you know, I don't know what the ROI of a video wall is, or I don't know what the ROI of a nice conference room is when I could use, you know, something less expensive. Right. You know, the re what I try to do is say, okay, what do you do in this room? Oh, this is our customer facing room where we do yeah. like all of our pitches. Awesome. If something fails in here, you know, what's the, what's the impact of this room? If, if everything goes right in that meeting, what happens for your business? Oh, we get a million dollar customer. Right. Great. Okay. And just okay. really, really get those wheels turning and saying, okay, this sounds like a place where we really want to invest some yeah, time and energy. Right. Mm -hmm. right? It's, yeah. there's impact here. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You know, it is. It's not calculated. Yeah. It's not, it's not uh yeah, it's, it's intangible, but it, it has ROI completely. It's just, when you're going to make the case in the beginning, if you have a team who's just not like open-minded to the sort of, like I keep saying the obvious, <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, hey, uh, fine. We'll just have, you know, a boring old little crappy building and we, you know, and guess what? Yeah. Not everyone can afford everything. You have numbers and you can't yeah. spend money that you don't have, but I'm talking more on the big scale, the big picture. Mo mo you know, a lot of our customers are big companies and they have a lot of opportunity to transform all their spaces in, in a zillion different ways. Um, and, and sometimes just that whole ROI thing gets a little caught up. Like, I, you know, I'll get where you'll notice people are really excited about room capacity, 
you know, measuring, which is like, all right, that's a cool feature. Fine. I mean, you know, yeah, if you're going to deploy a thousand rooms, it's good to have that technology because if, 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 if 80% of them or 50% of them are being used, then that's great data to have back. But that's not like the deciding factor on every aspect of AV, for example, or, or building spaces is, you know, room capacity to measure the perfect ROI. Those are just nice added metrics that do help you make good decisions but it still boils up back to the obvious on a lot of this stuff. You know what I mean? So. I a hundred percent agree. Well, our um, ROI is one business metric. You know what another business metric is, Jared? Time. Time, um, and time and diminishing returns. I think <laughs> diminishing returns, the longer we, we may be going on diminishing returns we don't, at this point. That doesn't exist. But, that doesn't but, exist for us. But before we, before we cash out, cause we didn't do traffic on the sevens again, again, California, it's fine. There's no traffic because nobody's going anywhere. But Chris Netto, a friend of ours through social media that some people who listen may know, um, was very disappointed last time that um, you, did, you did not give a local report on um, whether or not the I moose heard. Crossed, crossed the road this morning in Regina. Well, the, even the moose have to stay home because of COVID, right? Oh, that's, that's yeah. why. So no moose traffic <laughs> jams this morning in Regina. No, no, okay. and, and, and thank God, I mean, a moose traffic jam you're there for the day. I mean, yeah. you talk about New York traffic. Come on. <laughs> so no moose on the loose in Regina. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining us on AV Daybreak. Daybreak. Uh, Dan Barron, thanks for being our call in today. Yeah, yeah man. Very up. cool. Good talk. Awesome. Well, hey, guys, we'll see you next week. And thanks for joining us on AV Daybreak. Cool. Thank you.